everybody happy happy tuesday we hope you stay warm and safe in this cozy winter day and thank you so much everybody and welcome back for another episode if not now when and i'm so so excited you are here with us because my friend today i have someone so special that i would love to i would love all of you to meet and someone even say a legendary and that is David Carabinos. And my friend, let me tell you a little bit about David. First of all, David is a serial entrepreneur. He has experience launching business, raising equity, raising uh, capital for over 40 years. Oh my God, he's not only served as CEO, but also CIO, CFO, CEO, all the C titles you possibly know, he's he done it. Um, how many people can say that? For the last two decades, he has served as an angel investor and LP for venture funds and served as a board member for so many businesses. And today, my friend, he has experience and knowledge over so many topics over the sun, seriously over the chart, just an interview, technology, healthcare, finance, and all and above. So with that, my friend, I am just so, so excited today to have David join us. And thank you so much, David, for being here with us. And welcome to the show. Well, you are so welcome, Wynn. Thank you for inviting me to be on the show. And I look forward to the conversation. Of course. So, David, tell us, how does all the magic journey get started? Well, there's a lot to unpack there. If I could, let me go back to the beginning of my career, uh, which started roughly 43 years ago. Um, I was trained in the military in technology and software development. Mm -hmm. And uh, I got my uh, GI Bill and used it to get my degree in business and finance. And I mm -hmm. combined the two, technology and business, uh, early on which um, kind of puts me, I'm, I'm in the Bill Gates uh, in terms of carbon dating my, my career, not quite the, the success that he has, but uh, combine those two things around the same time that he got started. And um, I was in corporate America for 20 years, climbing the proverbial ladder, um, moving from company to company. And uh, I was in technology, but I was on the business side predominantly. Mm -hmm. I reached my Peter principle in terms of being a technologist fairly early. Mm -hmm. um, and I really enjoyed the business side of it. Towards the end of that 20-year uh, first leg of my career, I was a member of a team that ran a $400 million business unit for an IT outsourcing company. It was mm -hmm. a great experience, but I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. So 23 years ago, I left that world and became one. And I've built five companies over that period of time. The first one actually failed. It was in healthcare technology. It was around price transparency for consumers, which mm -hmm. is, um, was about two decades ahead of its time. Mm -hmm. But the company uh, actually failed, um, not because of that, but because of uh, the uh, dot-com bust in mm -hmm. 2000 right the private capital markets became illiquid and we mm -hmm. starved for cash so um we had to sell the assets of the company so it was not a successful exit but i learned a lot from it and i applied it to two other companies and had successful exits that i would 
called singles in baseball uh, terms. But in 2006, I had um, a very successful exit. Um, I would call it a home run. Uh, and uh, we built a $100 million company and we sold it. And then um, I retired for the first time and became a limited partner in several venture funds. And yeah. I did direct angel investing. I was a part of a very active angel group. I was mm -hmm. chairman of the board of the board of a technology incubator here in North Alabama, the largest one for a number of years, uh, invested in some of those companies, helped them scale, grow, exit. Uh, so I've been in the venture capital and the startup ecosystems for a couple of decades now. Wow. Uh, in 2009, I decided to come off the bench and operate one last time as an operator. So I took over a digital health uh, consultancy as the CEO, mm -hmm. and I ran it for 10 years and wow. a very successful company. Um, so I've been in, te in technology all my career, but I've been in healthcare for about half of that. Um, we uh, or selling the company right now, actually. But about a year ago, I stepped off as the CEO. And now in my second retirement, I'm uh, <laughs> advising startups and early stage companies, helping them raise capital, M&A, product strategy and growth strategy. So I've kind of come full circle uh, in my career. Wow. And um, I'm, I'm just thoroughly enjoying it. Wow, David. Wow. Thank you so much for taking your time to, you know, give us a beautiful view about your career in a nutshell. And I know there's so many incredible stories underneath every single piece of it. And I want to touch base on one thing that you mentioned that your first part of your career was in corporate world for 20 years. And then you, you decided to become an entrepreneur. I was wondering, number one, do you always know you want to be an entrepreneur? And that must be a different shift from the corporate world to entrepreneur, right? Can you tell us a little bit more about the story there? It's very different, absolutely. Um, and being in both worlds for half of my career, both times or equally, I appreciate the uh, opportunities with each and the challenges with each. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I don't want to say, I don't want this to come out the wrong way, but um, it's not easy to make the transition one way or the other. If you're mm -hmm. an entrepreneur from, you know, right out of school or just as a, your first job, mm -hmm. uh, jobs, um, you're going to struggle going into the corporate world, you know, large enterprise corporations where the internal stakeholders and politics are very complicated. Uh, you have to be very patient. Um, you don't have that sense of urgency about anything. No one does. It seems like, uh, so it's, and you have to get consensus and decisions. And as an entrepreneur, that will just drive you nuts. Um, but, you know, I was successful in both for different reasons. Uh, I, I, I don't think I would have the patience today at this leg mm -hmm. of my career of going back into the corporate world and experiencing that. Um, but I enjoyed in both. It's it's a, it's a when you make the transition, you, you have to know willingly what you're going into. For example, when I left the corporate world, I was uh, riding around uh, 40 years old. Uh, my wife and I had been married 20 years. We tried to have children uh, all during that period and were unsuccessful. Mm -hmm. We went through six intrauterine inseminations and two in vitros unsuccessfully. Mm -hmm. And we gave up. And I was about to take a job to uh, run uh, sales overseas for my company, which meant I would be on the road all the time. Mm -hmm. And I was negotiating the package 
for this um, job, which was a great career opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I was out of town and I called my wife just in the afternoon to touch base with her, told her I was going to be home that night. And she yeah. said, well, I'm going to be late. I just thought I'd tell you. And I thought she meant late to uh, a meeting because she worked. Mm-hmm. And she said, no, late. And I'd never heard those words before. <laughs> so so I took a deep breath and I said, OK, well, I'm not taking this job if we're pregnant. So let's get a test and I'll see you tonight. So when I got home next to the bed was the EPT test. And that's oh. one o'clock in the morning. I'm blurry eyed. So I looked at it and it was positive. So the next morning at 6.30, we woke up and I said, we need to go into our fertility clinic and we need a test. I need to, I need a picture. <laughs> <laughs> and so we went in and the whole fertility clinic was really excited because it was a positive test. Yeah. And I didn't take that job. I did not want to be, miss the, her pregnancy in the first year of that. And so it was a two year commitment for the role. Mm-hmm. So I turned the job down and that's when I decided, you know what, I need, I need more control over my destiny. And as an entrepreneur, I can get that control. I, I will take on the risk to get the control. And so that's when I plotted my exit from corporate America. And within six months, I was out doing my own thing. And we had a little baby on the way. So let, let me comment on that. First of all, wow, what a beautiful story. And I just love, love, like that moment of, you know, your wife pregnancy really kind of show you that the, the, the direction that you are heading to, of course, you know, decades later, you are so successful. And of course, I felt that almost a sign to lead you to, you know, who you always meant to become. And I have a quick question because for folks who are maybe in the do the similar transition, right? You are a family man. You are the father that moment that your wife is pregnant, yet you are leaving a stable job to start something that new, have zero guarantee, and you have not done it before that moment. How could you make that sh- made that jump and knowing that's the best for not only you but your entire family how do you have that confidence do you always knew you meant to be an entrepreneur well if you won't if you don't mind let me go back to the even farther back and i think this story will provide some context Mm -hmm. so when i was 15 years old i left home Mm -hmm. my parents uh unfortunately divorced and my older brother went off to Vietnam. My second old, oldest brother went off to Texas. And there were seven of us, by the way. And, wow. and I left home and uh, have been on my own ever since. And uh, I continued to go to school. I had three jobs. I had really strong work ethic. And mm-hmm. um, I just had to learn how to make it, make, make things happen for me. And so I did that uh, for five years before meeting my wife and, you know, we got married and we've been married now for 44 years, but that's that process of being on your own and, and wanting to live a good life and not just, you know, living on the street and not just getting by, but actually wanting to succeed um, both in terms of, your personal well-being as intellectually, you know, culturally, uh, accomplishments. Um, those five years just cemented all of that. What what I wanted out of life, uh, mm-hmm. and 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 I was I was successful. I was during that period of time, but I didn't have any money, so mm-hmm. I decided to go into the military. This is right towards the end of Vietnam mm-hmm. to get my GI Bill to be able to go to college and get a degree. 
And I followed that pathway for the next five years and achieved those objectives. Uh, now I go from uh, being in the military and blue collar to white collar, wearing a white shirt and a tie for the next 20 years, <laughs> you know, chasing. So I brought all of that work ethic and those goals and values to my new life in corporate America. Uh, and, uh, you know, I just worked really hard at it. Wow. But that's not scare you to go into this entrepreneurial world. Yeah, you know you have hard work ethic, but that's a world you've never done it before at that point. You, you know, it's, it's interesting. I, 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 um, I've never been afraid of change. I mm -hmm. seek change. I've always sought change. I've always felt like that was a positive attribute and I, I've never feared change. I have had, I've had fears before, mm -hmm. you know, I've, I've jumped out of airplanes. Uh, <laughs> I have perfectly good airplanes. I've um, scuba <laughs> dive. I'm a scuba diver, a master wow. diver and I've been down to 150, wow. 155 feet. I've been in caves underwater and, and, you know, I've been in claustrophobic situations, uh, you know, down deep in uh, wet dives, for example. Mm. And fear is a very natural thing under those circumstances, but you cannot let it get a hold of you because that will be the end. So controlling the fear, being not afraid of change, actually seeking change. So when I made the change from corporate America to becoming an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. I didn't fear it. I sought it. And the reason why is, over that 20 year period, I had these side projects um, as, of being an entrepreneur, testing my theories out about how to build a business plan and build a little small business. So I did that several times during that first leg of my career. So I tested Got the water. So when I really made the jump, mm -hmm. I was ready. Wow. Wow, David, that is incredible. I talking about no fear, you are fearless. Like not only jumping from the, from the perfect airplane, but going to under 150 feet. That, well, I just leave said this skydiving. That was like maybe five feet. I was almost freaked out. That is incredible. And oh my God, you're just someone I really, really admire and just, you know, incredible. So now I want to ask you about, you know, the entrepreneur journey, right? You talk about now this moment, you know, you and your family on this different trajectory, you want to in charge of what you do and make an impact. You go into an entrepreneur world and you mentioned that before you done some side project, but you never actually fully into entrepreneurs. I'm curious, is it any surprise you now you really jump in the both feet? Like, okay, now this is it. Is it any surprise you on the journey? Did I, did I surprise myself? Yes, anything that surprised you about being an entrepreneur, that things that you have not thought before, things maybe surprised you? Um, I, I would, yes, uh, yes, I'm, I'm surprised. I'll give you some examples of surprises, but I, I'll tell you what, the, the way I went about that transition. Mm -hmm. So, for example, becoming an entrepreneur, being in corporate America, I had no clue about raising capital, venture capital. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know, I didn't have network, I didn't have mentors, I didn't have anything. Mm -hmm. So when I first jumped out into that world and started my first company, I did it with my own money, like you know most wow. first time founders do. Um, wow. You know, mortgaged the house, uh, dipped into the 401k. Wow. Uh, I, I did everything that you, know, you typically do. And 
you know, you want to do it in a measured way, which, which I did, mm -hmm. but very quickly, I just immersed myself into the venture capital world. You know, mm -hmm. how do you write really a, a, a business plan, not for a, a business unit in corporate America, but for a startup that needs to go yeah. raise a million dollars, right. Or 500,000 seed capital. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so I immersed myself in that reading, talking to people, networking, um, mm -hmm for really a year, mm -hmm. um, building financial models and business plans and doing market research and mm -hmm. testing all my ideas out um, and, and generating money at the same time, income. So what I did was I was providing consulting services mm -hmm. to feed the family, Got it. but I was simultaneously building the business mm -hmm. plan for, for the, for the NUCO, for the company. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's really a, a pretty good model that people should consider when they jump out of the corporate world and go into mm -hmm. the startup world mm -hmm. is you, you need to kind of do both mm -hmm. simultaneously, which means you're working a lot of hours, but that's okay. That's, that's what you wow. need to do. Mm -hmm. So what I was trying to do during that first year is I was trying to fill the gaps of knowledge that I didn't have. Right. Mm -hmm. And fill the gaps and network that I didn't have for the new world I was going into. So that first year was really mm -hmm. important to to build those building blocks. Mm -hmm. And I want to talk about the first business that you had. You met it was not a huge success. Right. At this point, your wife is pregnant. You're leaving a beautiful paying job. You are starting something on your own and you are so excited. You're so passionate. You're hustling, you're working day and night. You're consulting. You're doing like starting night. And first business was not a huge success. Was that a hard truth to it? Was it a hard situation? How do you really get over that and move on to the next one? Because I think oftentimes the first failure really is very, very difficult for a lot of entrepreneurs to really just sit through. Like what's your what's in your mind? What's your thought process when you're in that situation? Yeah, it was a gut check for sure. Um, mm -hmm. because really I, I destroyed, you know, two thirds of our life savings, uh, at 40 wow. years old. And, you know, wow. that was, that was not comfortable at all. Um, mm -hmm. um, I, I clearly, there were some things that I would do differently, you know, mm -hmm. but there are a lot of things that we did really good too. I built, mm -hmm. built a great team. That's really important. Mm -hmm. I did raise venture. I raised a couple of million in venture capital. So I, I wow. was, mm -hmm. I sold the idea of what we were trying to do successfully, at least to mm -hmm. early investors. Um, and the, the idea that we were trying to solve was really ahead of its time. And that's really important. And I learned that lesson too, is um, timing is really important. Mm -hmm. And I'd like for all entrepreneurs to really understand this. I, I hear this all the time, especially when I was chairman of the board of, inc of the incubator. Mm -hmm. I'd hear from entrepreneurs, this is the best thing since sliced bread and there's nothing out there like it today. Neither of those things are ever true. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's, just not, it's just not that way. Uh, but innovation can come in small and medium increments. It doesn't have to come in quantum increments, right? It rarely mm -hmm. does, in fact. Mm -hmm. But if you if you do have something that is quantum innovation, mm -hmm. that means you better measure the timing of taking it to market and making sure mm -hmm. there is a product market fit at that time. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't the case for healthcare price transparency for consumers mm 
mm-hmm. in, in 1998, 99, and 2000. It just mm-hmm. wasn't the case. And even today, it's still problematic. I don't want to bore you with the, with the, you know, the, all the details around healthcare as an industry and why it's so different than any, all other industries. But um, a lot of it has to do with uh, the consumers. The demand for healthcare doesn't drive healthcare. The supply side of healthcare drives healthcare and the mm-hmm. cost of healthcare. So consumer price transparency is really not mm-hmm. that important. It's getting more important after the Affordable Care Act and as things evolve over time. Anyway, I digress. But uh, my point was that uh, entrepreneurs really need to understand if they really do have something quantum innovation oriented, mm-hmm. uh, a leap, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, then uh, you got to make sure that um, you've got enough capital to carry you to the other side where you can, you know, mm-hmm. as, as Jeffrey Moore would say, across the chasm. Beautiful. So David, how did you, now with all the learning lessons and you're looking at high side, but at that moment, how would you take that failure? Was that an easy conversation with your wife, for example? How do you really processing it and then decide, you know what, that did not work out, let's go next day, right? How did you have a mental adjustment? Well, you know, regarding my wife, uh, being married 20 years was helpful in this situation, (laughs) you know, because we had weathered storms before. We knew how to weather a storm, and Lord knows this was a big one. Um, For me personally, though, um, I took it hard in in the sense of I felt like I failed my team, you know. Mm -hmm. That that really was – that I really struggled with that uh, for a long time at night, you know, trying to go to bed. I just, I was like, what could I have done differently? And I just felt bad for everybody. I felt bad for me and my wife, but I felt bad really for everybody else as well. I felt bad for my investors, you know, some of which were family members like my dad. Years later, I paid him back and some others, but you know, that, that was, you you felt bad for a long time, but you know, you just put a bandaid on that and you move on. You know, I felt like if I was going to, if I dwelled in that failure, mm-hmm. then, you know, I'd let it eat me up. And it, I, it, it, there's nothing productive to come from that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, wow. hey, I'm a marathon runner, too, or at least I used to be. Mm-hmm. And I learned that there's a real fine line between pushing through discomfort and pain that will put you on the sidelines. And so you, you've wow. got You've got to continue to, to push in life when you have when you have, you know, hard knocks occur to you, whether they're self-inflicted or otherwise. Mm-hmm. You got to push through them. You got to set them aside. You got to learn from them, mm-hmm. not repeat them, things that you would do differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you got to move on. So I, I literally wrote up a document to myself of lessons learned. And it was a ledger, positive, negative. What did I learn from this experience? And I've used that ever since. Wow. David, that takes tremendous courage and humanity to really look at experience and in an objective way and really say, okay, yes, I failed. How can I learn? How can I move forward? That's just incredible. And, you know, speaking of failure, and today you are in this entrepreneur startup world for 40 years now. You've seen so many different, you know, different businesses come and go. And, you know, you and me know that statistically most startups 
Wales, right? And for you, you have many success right after that. I am curious, you know, ask you regarding what was successful after that first failure, given most startups fail. Like after that first one, you have four different businesses that you start with. What made you successful from that moment? What made me what? What made you successful after the first failure? How did uh, you stand out? So my home run. So the first company uh, was, I, I was pulling the, the sled and the team all by myself. And wow. it was one, that was one of the lessons learned that I said, I, I'm not going to go into the next one um, being the only person pulling the sled. I need co-founders that have skin in the game like me and that also have the same work ethic as I do, the same value system that I do. You know, I, I, I have this um, on my LinkedIn, on my blogs that I do or post, the one that went viral um, last year was a topic that I feel very passionate about. And the topic is pick your partners well because you can't unpick them easily. That's true for life partners. That's true for business partners of all stripes. And so um, there's, I have a litmus test for picking my partners. I'm going to come back to the topic we're talking about. And the, the litmus test for me is uh, there's several things, but the, the main thing is how, how do, how does someone treat other people when things aren't going well? Mm -hmm. Right. That's the key because people treat other people great when things are going great. Right. Mm -hmm. Everybody's happy when things aren't going well. What's, what's the personality traits that come out in that individual and how they treat other people. And so I teamed up with a couple of co-founders in the company that we became, you know, our home run, um, that, that, that I knew that if once I got in the foxhole with these guys, I was going to be okay. Mm -hmm. and, and, and it turned out that way. And so I've made the mistake in the past. I, I was just a real short story. I was, uh, one of six organizers, I'm sorry, one of seven organizers that we, we founded a bank. We raised um, capital and we launched the bank. This was in 2007, which was the worst timing that you could ever do something like that. Wow. And um, we had someone on the team that I short-circuited due diligence on that individual. And I had people telling me, David, do you really know this individual? And mm -hmm. I said, I've, I've heard some things, but I don't have, I don't, you know, I'm not worried about it. Mm -hmm. I should have been worried about it. Mm -hmm. I should have done my diligence and, and I didn't because I was so excited and interested in starting a community bank in my community mm -hmm. and, and, you know, making money from it eventually. Mm -hmm. um, that was a bad decision. It turns out. So picking your partners is really important because you can't unpick them easily. Mm -hmm. Wow. So it sounds like really the right team, the value, really having that, having that synergy is really important. Not only the life, your partners, but also in business. Um, and I'm curious, you know, today, of course, you know, David, you, you've done a lot, you've seen a lot. And I'm curious today in this time, what does success mean to you? And in that situation, 
are you a successful? What is my definition of success for me? Today. Okay. And with that, do you think you are successful? Well, you know, it, it, this is true all along through my uh, life, and it's still true today. My defi definition of success for me is what value do I create for other people? Mm -hmm. You know, people in my sphere of influence, my stakeholders from a business standpoint, my family and friends. Um, I mean, it's not money. It's not things. You know, it's, it's really... It's really what value do do I, I tell you what, I get, I get the endorphin release, not only from athletics, sports, which, you know, clearly, you, you know, that's your primary source of it. Yeah. But I also get it from giving back and doing the right thing. I, there, I, I can't tell you how many times that, so this goes back to Mexico city, 1987. I'm walking through the Zona Rosa and with a, a friend mm -hmm. and um, there's a lady looks like she's a hundred years old, but she's probably 40 <laughs> sitting, sitting on the ground with two little kids oh. next to a huge bank high rise and they're homeless and they are in terrible shape. Mm -hmm. And I had never done this before. Actually, I'm going to go back and provide a little context, but let me just finish this. Mm -hmm. I pulled out a wad of cash and gave it to that woman. And my buddy thought I was nuts. You know, he thought, Why, why'd you do that? And I said, I don't know. It just made me feel good to do it. Mm -hmm. The context for that is going back five years previously in Birmingham, Alabama, I'm um, walking around during lunch downtown Birmingham and this man got out of his car and came up to me and he said, my, my wife and my children are in the car and we're actually homeless and I need some help. And I just walked right by him. I just kept going. And within minutes, I regretted that. And I said, I'm never going to let that happen again. And then, you know, a few years later, I'm in Mexico City and that event occurs. So I do that for me. I'm, I'm doing it for them, but I'm really doing that gift for me because it makes me feel good. And it releases a whole bunch of endorphins. Wow, so beautiful. I love that, you know, today, David, for you, of course, you know, you know, success, you know, com like common success aside, the money, the house, all that. But at the end of the day, it's, you know, building a community, making an impact. And really, you're just such a heart-centered, incredible, great businessman and really not just you know, building something incredible that you are proud of, but just really all about community, the people, the world. It's just so, so incredible. And, you know, I wanted to circle back in terms of the businesses. You talk about first you have a failure and then you build a team, you have a home run. I wonder at the time you were building business, uh, David, was it hard to let go? Was it hard to sell the business and move on? given that you were hoping, you know, you hustling, right, for the success, and that is a success, was it hard to move on from there? You know, it, it's a great question, um, and the answer for me was no, and the reason why is um, 
the plan was not to build. I've never been interested in building a lifestyle business or building business when, with my name on the door, you know, in the building. Um, uh, there's nothing wrong with that. That's just not what I'm interested in. Um, I've always built my companies with the intention of uh, exiting and creating shareholder wealth for my shareholders, mm-hmm. including myself. Um, now, but the so. I'm going to flip that coin over or kind of reverse your question and say that um, it's not hard to let go. If that's what your intention is, what I just described to you, you, you intend to exit. Um, the real question though is when do you sell? And so um, there's, there's a saying that I like, and it's the concept of, um, a traffic light, red, green, and yellow lights, right? You sell your company. The best time to sell the company, when I say your company, I mean the shareholder's company, right? Mm -hmm. The best time to sell is when all the lights are green, not when they're going, not when they're red, and not when they're going from green to yellow. Mm -hmm. But that means, and when I say all, all lights are green, that means financial metrics, you know, performance, um, uh, market share, you know, et cetera. You know, you, you're at the top of your game in your, in your niche, in your space, whatever your category. Mm-hmm. And you're the, you're the prettiest girl at the dance in terms of, you know, competitors. <gasps> yeah. That's really when you want to sell, but that's also the hardest time to make the decision to sell because you're going, how much more value can we eke out of this? Right. Mm-hmm. And um, it's tough, but, you know, the, the, the home run that we had, um, it was, uh, we timed it right. We, we, the lights were all green mm-hmm. and I felt like they would start turning. Some of them would start turning yellow in a couple of years. It doesn't mean the company couldn't have made, you know, made some changes and pivots and been wildly successful going forward. Mm-hmm. But I saw my, my, I saw that on the horizon. So we decided let's go ahead and sell and it was a good decision. Wow. That is so incredible. And, you know, David, I feel like you just have this ability to make hard decisions. I wonder why. What what made you able to be so focused and know what you want, and not only just for yourself, but really for everybody around you, the community you are building, the businesses? And how do you always just remain focused and truly make the best decision and not be influenced by the voice and things around you? Like, how do you have to always do that? You know, that's a great question, and I don't know if I'm introspective enough to give you a really solid answer. But I will say, and I, I, I said before, I'm one of seven. I'm, I'm the third oldest, and you know, there's, mm-hmm. there's always one in the family that kind of ends up is um, helping everybody else out. You know, Aww, and you. and I've been told by my siblings, several of them, that. I have an intensity about me and I have uh, an ability to focus mm-hmm. uh, on, on things um, and not get distracted, uh, which I think contributes to success because uh, it's easy to get distracted, right? I mean, in our lives, it is easy to get distracted, especially in, in, in today's world, right? There are just so many shiny objects out there, both good shiny objects and bad shiny objects, right? Mm-hmm. And if you're trying to 
move forward on something, whether it's a decision to take on a venture capital partner or a decision to take on a new distribution partner or a decision to change your, your leadership team because they're not getting the job done. Those are all big decisions and you, you got to get it right. Now you don't always get it right, but you got to try to get it right. And you're not going to get it right if you can't focus on it and really work through it. Oh, and by the way, some of the best decisions I've ever made and the hardest decisions I've, I've ever made took time. I mean, I could figure it out. And I just noodled on it and noodled on it. And then over, over days, over weeks, sometimes months, it came into view what needed to be done. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's, that's, uh, I assume that I'm not the only one that that, that happens to. Um, the key point there is don't pull the trigger too quickly, be decisive, be focused, but, but pull the trigger in the best possible time that you can pull it. Mm -hmm. Incredible. And David, you know, at this point, you have not just one career, not just two career. You come retire off the bench and off and off. I'm curious, what drives you? What keeps you going? What what inspired you? What what made you want to get that get off the bench again and again? I'm gonna go back to those first five years between 15 and 20. Okay. I'm the same way as I was back then in terms of I, I have an my work ethic is driven by joy. I love hard work. You know, I, I just love it. And uh, but I pick the work that I want to do and not the work that I have to do, which is very helpful. Right. Um, <laughs> and so um, but, but I mean, I do dirty work, too. I mean, every, you know, everybody has to. You got to do things. You know, people like to do the things that they enjoy doing in work or life and they avoid things that they um, don't like. Right. That's true in business that you know what you like and what you don't like when, mm -hmm. you know, and what happens, you tend to postpone the things that you don't like to work <laughs> on and you work on the things that you do like to work on. Well, what happens as a result of that, some things get dropped. Mm -hmm. So it's really important, right? That, we're always, we're getting psychological income from working on the things that we like working on, mm. but we don't completely avoid those things that we, we need to get done. Mm. And having a strong work ethic to do that is, you know, it's, that's what it's all about, taking care of both sides. Mm -hmm. Incredible. Um, so with that though, I'm still curious, today, what drives you besides just having fun because you love what you do, and what, what made you happy? What is something that really just want you to keep going, continue to make positive impact? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I have passion for a lot of things. I have passion for my work and I love working with entrepreneurs. I mean, that's really where I'm spending all of my time today. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've got 12 clients right now and the variety mm -hmm. is just so much fun and you know, everybody's smart, got a great work ethic. I, I don't take on a client that doesn't have all those values that we talked about earlier. You know, mm -hmm. I, I just I don't want to, don't need to. Mm -hmm. um, but I have passion around golf, scuba diving. Uh, you know, I'm very passionate about those things. I go to Scotland, you know, every couple of years to, mm -hmm. you know, to, to, to play the holy 
grail bucket list courses. Um, you know, uh, my wife and I love to travel. Um, wow. You know, we we share we share so much together, and I, you know, so it's not hard for me to be driven to to enjoy life. Uh, it, it's all out there for me. Wow. It's so amazing, David. You know, I love that your life is not just one thing. It's very the yeah. whole view. Like, your plate is full in a beautiful way. I love that. And, you know, I want to ask you one last question is, you know, today, of course, you, you have working with so many entrepreneurs who see business successful. You see business, you know, maybe not so much. I'm curious, what advice you would share with us for maybe our watching our entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs in terms of right now, maybe in the in the trenches, in the grind, and really wanted to make the next home run, right? What advice, what 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 suggestion you will share, you know, giving you so many years experience in the, in the world that you do? Um, so I have experience working with startups in the incubator for years. Mm -hmm. um, I've been one. Uh, I have clients that are entrepreneurs. And mm -hmm. There are traits that I see in the ones that are successful and traits in those that aren't successful. Ooh, tell us. And um, to keep this answer as brief as possible, the ones that are successful do a, the right level of research about their idea and how it's competitively positioned in their own mind. Mm -hmm. Number two is they learn, they know how to adapt and be flexible mm -hmm. uh, and not be rigid and fixed on their great idea. And mm -hmm. the latter fail nine out of 10 times. Mm -hmm. um, the ones that are successful uh, surround themselves with really bright people mm -hmm. and that are carry those, uh, those uh, traits that I just talked about. Mm -hmm. And they build, they know how to build a team, a team, team of people with all those attributes that we talked about earlier in this mm -hmm. conversation. Mm -hmm. Those people tend to be more successful than someone uh, that uh, feels like they've got to control, you know, everything. They mm -hmm. they can't delegate, they can't mentor, they can't recruit. Mm -hmm. You know, they've got a great idea in their own mind and maybe they do. But if you don't have all those other things, you're not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. You know, being an entrepreneur isn't, it isn't like tennis or golf. It's a team sport. And that's the most important thing that a successful entrepreneur understands mm -hmm. is do your research and build a team and manage it as if it's a team sport and not an individual sport. Mm -hmm. So beautiful. Oh my God. So everybody, if right now you are starting a business, just make sure do your due diligence, do your research and be a good team players, be flexible, really adapt to the market, listen to your customer and really just have a good time. And I really want to honor and thank you. Thank you, Dave, for joining us and show you just such a valuable insight and experience with us. You just such inspiration you're such a legendary at what you do and today i'm just so so honored you know thank you for your time your gracious you know incredible incredible story so thank you everybody uh for tuning i really hope you all enjoy as much as i 
do because Dima is incredible. And stay tuned, everybody. We'll see you guys next week. Thank